Creative Connectors, a podcast for curious minds. My name's Vicky Keeler, and I'll be chatting to the makers and creators who aim to connect and inspire through the platform of festivals. We'll be delving into how they show up in the world, why they do what they do, their journey, inspiration, and everything in between. So sit back and enjoy the chat, because who knows where these conversations are going to go. And if this is your kind of podcast, please subscribe, follow, share with friends, and get involved and give some feedback. In today's episode, I'm going to be speaking to David Tate. He is the event organizer for Twisted Frequency Festival, which is a five-day underground music festival in New Zealand. So thanks for coming on and having a chat, David. No worries. Kia ora, Vicky. I think a lovely place to start would be you sharing a little bit about what Twisted Frequency Festival is all about for anybody who may not have been. Sure. Um, Twisted is a pretty like diverse event in terms of the sort of art and music that we host. And uh, it's, it's very much a sort of underground style music event in terms of the um, culture that we promote, I guess, is one way to put it. Nice. And what year did you start the festival? So as Twisted Frequency, um, with, with the name Twisted Frequency, it was 2013 into 2014 New Year's. Um, but uh, as a sort of ragtag crew, uh, we started, we ran an event for three years prior to that um, called Twisted Freaks. But it was a very different event back then. So take us back to then. What was different about that event? How did this crew all come together? And where did the journey into organising festivals start? Sure. Um, yeah, well, we were definitely much more in the sort of feral end of the spectrum, I think, back then. Um, as I'm not sure if that's a commonly used word in uh, the rest of the world. But um, <laughs> I guess, like, yeah, we were all about dark, heavy psytrance and um, getting wasted in the bush. And so um, that festival was, it was actually a Halloween party um, and it wasn't uh, just myself. It was just definitely a lot of other people involved and like sort of it was a amalgamation of crews. Um, but, yeah, in terms of sort of uh, style of event, it was very much just a uh, a big crew of us getting getting together and it was maybe like a couple hundred people but um it was it was a different different kind of event it was all about the dark side and like kind of horror theme it was it was a pretty fun time yeah nice and so then how did that evolve and yeah how did twisted frequency come about was it you know, you always had grand ambitions of, you know, making this kind of like your full-time gig and something that you did every year, or did it just sort of snowball a bit? No, I mean, I, it definitely wasn't the intention of making it like a career. Um, it, it kind of just happened naturally. I think we we started growing a bit of a following in terms of the underground music and, um, you know, had had been around doing it for long enough uh joining the crews of other bigger festivals and things like that. And um, 
sort of decided to aim a bit higher with uh, a, a New Year's event, which was uh, was called Autonomous Beings, and the theme was like uh, loud electronic music and relentless self indulgence. It was oh nice. <laughs> um, that was our first sort of big ish New Year's event. Um, and yeah, just sort of started doing bigger parties, getting a few internationals over, got a taste for it. And, um, one day was sitting with some of the crew, I think in, in Cairns, um, and just said, Hey, look, let's aim a bit higher and throw a bigger New Year's party. Yeah. Wicked. At the moment, you're festival is held in in golden bay was it always there it's a pretty epic location i've not been there but from what you've told me it sounds absolutely stunning yeah it's an amazing spot um we're so lucky to have the the cold valley in takaka the festival actually started out in the polaris sound which is close to my hometown of marlborough um it kind of it was a real trek. Uh, I think it was hours on a dirt road, driving out winding sort of hillsides into the Polaris Sounds, uh, which is another gorgeous location. And um, yeah, the that particular event didn't go so well with the like local batch owners. Yeah, um, and it was like quickly had to be to you know the, the next year following we weren't able to do it there. Um, then we went up to Canaan Downs, which is the top of Takaka Hill. Um, it's a big quartz mountain with a lot of rich festival history as well. Some of the, um, sort of festivals that are essentially our predecessors, um, were formed there or they, um, or, or they, you know, had their heyday up on Takaka Hill, um, and yeah, so we did it the second year up there and sort of settled in this beautiful little spot at the bottom on the other side of the hill in the Cobb Valley. And they're pretty like remote locations, right? And uh, not necessarily the easiest to get to. Is that kind of a purposeful decision or yeah, what, I guess, what helped you make that decision on where you wanted to base the festival? Yeah, absolutely. I think we've, um, you know, we've all touched on the idea of th- there's a lot of festivals that go on that are much closer to, you know, um, civilization, I guess. Um, but with that, you get a lot of sort of uh, undesirable attention and undesirable people uh, getting involved as well. So it is definitely an, an active decision to to keep it from uh, from being something that the general public just rock up to. You've really got to decide, um, you know, I want to go to Twisted Frequency and make a, make a plan, make a mission. And so, like, the, yeah, the, the thing that I, I say when this topic comes up is sort of, like, the people who are going to cause trouble or, you know, go up, come out and, like, try and do something um, – untowards uh, or something that is going to you know make problems for us are not the ones that are going to also you know drive eight hours across the country to get to a festival or um, yeah go to those more remote spots yeah it feels like it's kind of almost like leaning into the illegal rave vibe whereby 
you, you kind of almost don't know where you're going and that's part of the fun and the adventure of it. Um, it's like half of it is the journey getting there and then it's almost like the reward is the, the party when you land. Yeah, absolutely. And that comes with its challenges, but I think it's worth it. It's like the further you get away from the, you know, the cityscapes, um, the more natural beauty that you're surrounded by. And, um, and yeah, it's definitely, it's an element that is important. I think is like these festivals need to be somewhere that's, you know, immersed in nature and it's part of the attraction for sort of underground electronic music events. And so in terms of that piece of land that you're on at the moment, is that just something that you lease every year or have you just like formed an agreement with the owner of that land? Like how's that kind of worked for you and and how have you navigated that as an event organiser? Yeah, that's spot on. Um, this, this spot that we're at now is also where the Gathering Festival ended up, which is one of the sort of largest festivals of its kind in New Zealand. Um, that I think was the last one was like 20 or 19 years ago. Um, and yeah, we lease it for roughly two months each year, build everything from scratch or from, you know, flat packed and, uh, and then start again, um, pack it all down. (laughs) It's, it's a good spot though. And the, the landowners are really supportive there like totally just, you know, you're kind of bloke, uh, farmer types, but they're, they've got our back pretty hard when it comes to, to running the event. And, um, if we need to say borrow a tractor or, um, you know, sort some other logistical thing they're they're usually there to, to help real sense of community around it then, which is great. And I think that's, you know, something that festivals always foster and, I think you touched on it, you know, in terms of the the earlier events when you've not necessarily got that buy-in from the community, that's where, you know, things can get a lot harder to maintain something year on year. Yeah, absolutely. In in Golden Bay especially, um, I I haven't really found another place in New Zealand that that has that kind of support for for the festival culture, you know, like mm. Golden Bay has got a long history of being that sort of destination event uh, space. There's so many beautiful rivers and you're right next to the ocean. You've got the Kahurangi National Park, which is this beautiful big, um, you know, native New Zealand jungle. Um, everything's right there on your doorstep. And so uh, it's it's always been a place that these people are coming to kind of throw these events and as a result a lot of the people that live there and um are you know a part of that community you know they they have support for it because it it does bring a lot of color and and money into their town you know yeah which is fantastic and you know one of the huge benefits of as festivals in terms of it can really enrich a community and uh, especially after a, a year like last year you know it's going to help in terms of bringing that local tourism in um you've mentioned the rich history a lot about you know the this specific area what's the kind of broader landscape for anyone um who's not necessarily been to new zealand and experienced festivals like what's the lay of the land is the 
um, a really diverse set of festivals? Are they more one-day festivals? Like, yeah, what's that landscape like? Yeah, true. It's it's an interesting question. There's there's not the same kind of variety um, or abundance that you'd find in Australia. Um, like I've spent a few years on and off living in Aussie and coming back here um, to run Twisted and yeah we've got we've got a lot more sort of commercial spectrum events i guess it's fair to say um there's a lot more uh there's a lot of events that are in the sort of underground world that are you know maybe 300 people max yeah um but there's not a lot of festivals that are in a similar vein to twisted in the sense that um you know full multi-genre multi-stage five-day events um there's 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 definitely a handful of them that I can think of but they're they're not in in the sort of abundance that uh I've seen in Australia you know mm. and so with that you know having sort of almost limited access in your own country around that sort of festival where it is multi-day music art etc where did you take inspiration from? Were you looking at Australia? Had you been to other festivals around the world that you taken inspiration from? Like what helped you craft and formulate the festival that you've now created today? Yeah, definitely. I've I've had the pleasure of of traveling the world a bit. I did a sort of one one solid uh eight festival stint through Europe. Um was worked on a festival in Southeast Asia, uh, I've been Burning Man and the Eclipse in this, in America, and um, I, I definitely have seen a lot of of events around the world, and it's definitely been inspiring. Um, I guess we have a a natural growth going on here as well, and we're kind of uh, all finding our feet uh, in terms of what the festival looks like, how it works. A lot of the people that are part of it haven't necessarily seen all of that and mm. they bring their own unique ideas um, as well. Yeah, wicked. And what are some of the highlights that you've experienced to date? Like what are those moments that, you know, bring a huge smile to your face and you look back on and you just, they'll stick with you forever from the festival? Yeah, um, one one that I think is like worth touching on is um, like I'm I'm a massive fan of hip hop and especially Kiwi hip hop and um, part of my sort of passion for that um, is is bringing them to the outdoor festival environment and uh, I remember I was like getting to the front of a stage to just like clear off bottles and cans off the speakers It's like a um, cathartic pastime of mine when I get a moment. Um, and yeah, I remember seeing like front right stack, like a couple of my favorite New Zealand rappers, just like sending it to like full on high tech, something like four in the morning. And they grabbed one of them, grabbed me and was like, I get it, D I get it. <laughs> um, and that was, yeah, beautiful moment for sure. <laughs> And is that a big part of, I guess, the diversity in the lineups for you in that you are, you know, creating an event where people are almost like forced to explore different types of genres? 
Yeah, I mean that's that's definitely a line of conversation that I I tr- I try and push as well. You know, it's like we host all kinds of music. We host a really diverse range of electronic music, which brings people from all of these different scenes out and puts them in front of the speakers with something that they wouldn't have necessarily been around before. Um, and especially with our live element, it's a like quite often it's like one of the compliments I guess that comes our way is, you know, I got to hear a massive metal band, you know, on the last day and there was a whole stone of doom, like punk rock, sort of like heavy, heavy noise session, you know, and, and that's the sort of thing that they, uh, that our normal festival folk wouldn't get to have on big speakers out in the forest. And it's also means that those we've had this like slowly developing attendance from people from the live music scene. Um, I know of like metal bands that aren't even playing, but they'll come back to Twisted. And I know, you know, there's, um, there's definitely people in the hip hop scene that have found Twisted and found their like love for the electronic music culture um, through, through that attendance. And so, yeah, it's a it's a big one. I think is having that diverse live stage, really diverse electronic stage. It means that in in New Zealand, um, we can actually start building more of a an attendance because we. Um, I, I hate to keep comparing us to Australia, but we don't have the vast wealth of uh, just punters who are down for a party here. You know, like there's as many people in New Zealand as there are in Melbourne. Yeah, and it's good to put that into context because, like you say, when you're trying to grow something as well um, and you've you've only got sort of limited amount of people who, who might be there and, and willing to make and commit to the journey um, to get there. But, you know, like you say, you do have a diverse lineup and I know that you kind of bring internationals over. Have there been any artists um or partnerships that are huge highlights for you that you have brought to twisted um i'm really fond of our connection with the like sort of uk crews um and i'm really fond of like we've got a really sort of constant back and forward with uh a lot of the the aussie labels as well um i think you know very often getting the the Xenon Records cats in, in the mix, nice. um, and yeah, there's it's a lot of that same kind of uh, back and forward in terms of just crew as well, um, which I, I really love. You know, we get like um, we get someone from say Bangface Festival um, comes and joins our our production crew. And then they'll go home and they'll tell their two mates and then they'll turn up and then join the crew. And, and the same thing happens with um, loads of really rad Australian um, festival crews as well. Mm. Yeah, it's something that comes up quite regularly, actually, the kind of the work ethic and how uh, yeah Aussie crews are used across the globe and really respected um, within the festival industry in terms of what they bring to the build and things like that. Um, yeah, absolutely. What's the kind of mix in terms of local versus international? I know that obviously last year and this year is going to be a bit of a switch, but do you often have quite a few international attendees that come? 
because of those like connections to the UK and the artists that you're putting on? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we advertise Twisted internationally as well. Um, and there is very much an intention for it to be a destination New Year's festival that people come to New Zealand for. Um, you know, we we have a like huge amount of travellers just joining us in Aotearoa every summer uh, anyway. Um, but I think we we do have a, a, a good amount of international attendance. I was surprised to see just how many were still actually in the mix and hadn't been kicked out of New Zealand yet this this New Year's <laughs> actually. <laughs> um, there's still loads of travellers and obviously a lot more Kiwis, uh, but they are, yeah, the, the travellers make up a, a really large share of our of our attendees and and that's great because it kind of helps to build the vibe that uh people who have been in deeply in those scenes already uh can bring you know what i mean yeah yeah nice and that's it that's you know the beauty of festivals they're often this mixing pot of you know just different people from different walks of life and all united by this sort of desire to let loose, enjoy, explore, etc. Um, so yeah, it does. It always adds to the flavour of a festival when you've got a got a good mix of people in there. What's kind of the the future goal? Do you have a future vision on where you want to take the festival, or what else you want to do with it? At this stage, I, th- I don't think we plan to uh, make it much larger in terms of attendance it's it's at a point where where it really works and you know we're comfortable within the sort of uh what the team that we need to to put on something of of the scale but uh a big goal for us is definitely eventually we'd love to buy a piece of land um yeah, nice. I've, I've definitely it's always been on my mind and it's been sort of the vision from, from the get go for, for twisted and, and the far now the family that surrounds it is, uh, if we can get a turnover that's solid enough, uh, to, to, you know, put a deposit down each year, start paying for this piece of land, then we could have somewhere that we could put on permanent infrastructure and really, grow something incredible on on the ground that's that's bigger and more interesting every year Mm. yeah always the the great end goal to have that piece of land and like you say just build on it year on year um that's it yeah in terms of the the kind of crew because i know it's not just you there like what's that look like is it a big collective of people is it a small crew just for context so everybody else understands like what's going on behind the scenes for you guys and who's who's helping all these amazing things happen each year well we do have such a, a massive crew and i think it's potentially a little bit unique uh, compared to other events because we don't have you know, there's not an enormous amount of money kicking around, and so there's not, uh, you know, yearly, year in, year out, uh, year long jobs that that are you know, paid positions, and so the people that bring this event together are all over the country and often all over the world as well, and yeah, there's 
there's a lot of people that that are involved and they kind of create new ideas year to year and and are ready to to crack into them come summer yeah wicked doing it for the love driven by the passion yeah Yeah, i mean we we are getting to a point now where we can you know properly pay people as contractors for their time and um i'm really stoked to to be there now after you know some many years trial and error in terms of budgeting and things like that and uh with the sort of current snowball slash momentum of the event i'm feeling really excited and confident that we'll be able to create some more permanent roles and uh and really get people you know deeply in the mix but yeah we've got an amazing build crew that has been you know on and off with us from the start if they can make it then they're there and they're they're rearing to go and you know early december we've got a really rad uh, production crew, site managers, operations crew that has grown massively in the last sort of two years especially. Um, and a lot of those people that are really getting on board, getting in the mix are new young folks who have like sort of their first big party was twisted and now they're part of the the core workings of it. And that makes me really excited. Um, I, I love that, especially with the you know operations and site managers seeing those people go from like a volley manager last year to like stepping up to the plate and being my right hand gal or you know whatever it is shout outs to rose (laughs) (laughs) do it take the mic give the shout outs where you need to (laughs) but i think it's 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 you know kind of come up in a few different conversations but it is that sort of landscape and industry where, you know, people can climb the ranks and it is about just putting your hand up and showing that you're eager and, you know, wanting to be involved and working out how you can contribute and help an event evolve. That's mm. like prime time for you to be involved in the history of, of what that event becomes in the future. Um, and so, yeah, I can understand why that's something that definitely adds a smile to your face and, and, and brings you a lot of joy in terms of seeing people climb the ranks and just really step up into new roles. Yeah, it does. And especially, you know, the fact that they're like, like that's beautiful, but also now we've got a stronger team. You know what I mean? Mm. It's like with every person that, that feels like they've got the, um, creative control and like sort of the um, had that power handed to them or or that you know um, being supported f- for what their creative vision is or whatever it's like every one of those people that joins the fold makes us stronger as well yeah that's a really beautiful way to put it what are other bits that are maybe the favorite part of your role and and what you do for the festival um, well, this is something that I didn't really realize until maybe last year. Um, but I feel like when I'm in the throes of actually running a festival, I, I I'm like a, a different person or something, you know what I mean? Like I, <laughs> your alter I, I ego comes into, out. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. And like, I don't want to like toot my own horn about it, you know, cause toot it. Yeah, that's not what I'm trying to say, though. It's just like I feel my strongest when I'm 
at the helm of this thing mm. and like all of my own like sort of insecurities and like difficulty in like my normal life just like falls away and I just become this like you know leader slash you know just weaponized and it's it's a great feeling and um you know I think seeing that same thing happen in other people when um when the baton is passed to them um is is just as thrilling you know what I mean Mm, yeah I know I know what you mean it's great when you you kind of feel like how some people say in your flow state shall we say And you're almost like living your best life and you just do feel like you can take on anything when you're in that kind of mindset. It's like no matter what the challenge is that comes up, it's almost like you can just work through it with ease and confidence. And and, and it's something that I do think, you know, builds over time um, as you're exposed to more of, you know, things like that that you have to overcome and and you start to realise, oh, actually I'm pretty good at this kind of thing. Um, Mm. Have there been any sort of standout moments or key things that have really stuck with you along your journey that you're like, oh, like, yeah, this is something that I would want to share with people who might be thinking about going into a similar type of role or, um, yeah, just eager to to hear insights about learnings that you've taken from your journey? Um, hmm. Well, I guess the thing that everyone always tells me that I should do more of <laughs> is, um, is you know, let let people take on jobs, share the share the role. Uh, you know, um, I've I've had a habit of sort of just trying to tackle everything myself because I know that you know I can do it, and it'll at least not necessarily be done right, but. I'll know what I did wrong or, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. um, but yeah, I think that's, um, something that I'm slowly starting to get better at and that people have really, you know, this, my beautiful crew have, um, have tried so, you know, hard to, to push for me and for, for the well being of the festival, you know, um, and it's definitely, working and it's if if it was if it was to be advice to like a another future festival organizer i'd say really consider what jobs you can outsource um and you know take take the leap of of giving other people the um the reins on on various elements of the event and uh you'll be surprised how many people just absolutely smash it and come back with like 50 ways that they're going to do it better next year, you know, like. Mm, Yeah. Relinquishing control, I think is a tough one for a lot of people. Um, I think people often either like fall into one of two categories. Of course, this is completely, you know, just putting people in in little pockets, but it's like, I feel like you're either massive delegator and always just like hand handballing to other people and then you've got the people who sort of like foster things and you're like I want to do a really good job and I've got this sense and it's really hard to to let go but as you say and I know this I say this to a lot of the 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 guys and girls that I work with in terms of you know I'd rather almost throw you in at the deep end 
Because I think that's often where you'll swim and you'll see them excel. And that's when you see people get that sense of pride. Like they've really just been thrown in and you've empowered them to just take the reins and and do what they can. And it doesn't mean that they can't fail because like you can make a mistake. And I think that's often one of the best ways you learn, to be honest. Um, and a lot of mistakes yeah. are not often the end of the world either. It's like they're just a little hurdle and, and then you've, you'll remember it for the rest of your life, basically, if you do mess up. Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, I think it's like pretty valid at this point as well to say that like a lot of the time shortfalls of mine or just like stuff that hasn't been addressed within the festival, people have taken it upon themselves to, you know, like, like it's not like it's not been anyone empowering them or giving them the the um sort of right to to tackle a problem they'll just do it yeah. completely on their own accord and you know we've got such a wicked uh positive loving crew that extends right out into sort of the the punter sphere as well and um you know quite often someone will see a problem and they'll fix it and you know, they bought a ticket <laughs> or someone will be, you know, like they worked the whole build and they're like, this ain't my problem anymore. I'm, I'm off duty, but they'll see something and they'll be like, right, we're tackling this, turn up at the shipping container, get some tools, fix it. You know, like, there's, there's a lot of like, um, you know, beautiful just support for the event um, that that's not coming from management or, ops it's just people stepping up and being like let's all do this together and it's beautiful yeah beautiful co-creation and also just love the phrase that i mean i've not heard it before so i'm going to say that you coined it but the punter sphere i'm definitely going to use (laughs) that one again (laughs) yeah nice yeah i i I haven't um i'm not sure if i made that up or not but (laughs) Uh, i would claim it i just i'm just gonna say i get it from you if i ever use it i'll give you the credit (laughs) um in terms of any challenges that you've faced along the way what have been some of the doozies that have stuck in your mind or you're like I'll just never ever forget that (laughs) um I mean there's so many and some of them are ones that are like you know everyone's still working on it yeah. In terms of like the whole world has these challenges, you know. Um, one like event that I can recall is when we did the twisted frequency up on top of Canaan Downs. Uh, we had this enormous storm that just washed everything out, and um, we were really unprepared for that. I don't even know how we could have been more prepared for that, to be honest. Um, <laughs> but. Um, you know, there was people like kayaking from camping to the stage. Like it was um, wild. It was hectic. Yeah. (laughs) Um, and there was definitely like a, yeah, like I don't have a lot of memory, uh, memories from that event because it's, I guess it's just a while ago and, um, it's a stressful time, but I do have one of like just hundreds of, you know, half strip naked festival far now just on the roof of their vans catching the first rays of sunlight the next day 
um, <laughs> that that's definitely <laughs> stands out as like a as a memory from from running twisted. Um, yeah, other big challenges have have been you know like the there's a lot of like um, social sort of there's a social dance or like a um, modus operandi that that needs to be observed, especially in the New Zealand music scene, mm-hmm. um, because it's so small. You know, um, one of my biggest challenges is like a lot of the time someone who's like, you know, one of they'll be my friend. They'll be like having their own issues and it kind of falls on my, on my plate. Um, and sort of just like finding ways to, um, distance yourself from the greater sort of problems of the world. Um, or, or, I mean, the reality is just, trying to figure out how to solve them, <laughs> you know? Um, and yeah, I think that's like, there's so many other elements to, to this like smaller social scene that we have here, um, that, that makes running festivals a bit harder. You've yeah. really got to make sure you're not pissing off old mate by hiring, you know, old mate. And you've got to make sure, you know, such and such hears exactly what they want to hear or like, you know, I don't know. That sounds like, it sounds like a manipulative thing to say, but it's a, it's a reality of like running festivals in a smaller country. You've really got to watch your P's and Q's, keep everyone happy. Um, and you know, that, that extends to a large number of people beyond your, your regular, just like core crew, you know, mm. drama mitigation. Drama mitigation, exactly, and you know that's that's a full time job. That's like that's that's a year round uh, role that I have to take on, and so many other crew members do as well. You know, it's like um, we're all trying to make sure everyone's um, in a good place and feeling good about the event and feeling good about each other, mm. and that's not always easy. And you know. Where there's pretty much every year there's some there's another absolute you know uh sidewinder of an of of a of a happening that's nothing to do with the festival but but is you know is unavoidably part of um part of our our social sort of world here so well, they're pressure cookers, right? Even you know festivals like whether you're working with friends or not, it's like you're all trying really hard and often on tight deadlines to make something amazing happen. And even if it's not related to the festival, you know, people are working under pressure. So there's always going to be those times, I think, where things bubble to the surface and maybe explode during the lead up to. um, (laughs) And I think, yeah, people probably forget about how much, yeah, just people, people management and communication come into like every single job that you do and yeah yeah it's 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 a it's a tough one and and it is a a very um treasured skill I would say uh being (laughs) able to manage people it's a really important element I think of of event production as well like you say it's like um you know you can you can put speakers in a paddock and you can book a mean lineup but if you can't 
like keep the whole peace amongst the um, the greater masses that that you're bringing out there, then you know there's going to be trouble. <laughs> yeah, um, you kind of touched on yeah different challenges that you faced and things like what did COVID mean for you guys? And I know New Zealand. My brother lives in New Zealand, so I've kind of been across what's been happening there. But like. Yeah, how did that play out for you guys? Um, what did it mean for the festival and the team and the crew and, and how are you all feeling about it now? Well, I guess I'll I'll say first, like for me personally, it was actually kind of a blessing. Like, um, and, and I think like I'm privileged to be able to say that because I, you know, I haven't been personally affected by people losing people and so you know um I don't mean to make light of it but it was the first time that I properly hit the brakes in my you know on in my life for for a number of years and um and I really you know we didn't know whether there was going to be a twisted this year uh halfway through COVID like the first you know lockdowns here in New Zealand I was pretty you know, pretty close to accepting that it was not going to be possible. Um, and I had to just kind of resign to uh, relaxing for a minute and, you know, still sort of doing tentative moves to to get ready if we could go ahead. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I think for a lot of us, it just the uncertainty was like simultaneously stressful but also kind of nice that we just, you know, didn't have an event right there on the horizon for a moment. Um, but yeah, it's, it's been really great. New Zealand kicked COVID's ass, uh, and you know, we're, we're keeping it out and that's, we're just so lucky to be able to have these huge events, um, where some of our, our friends and family overseas are still, you know, uh, locked up in their houses but it's it's been an interesting one. I was worried, first of all, and a lot of us, I think, were um, just people in general were expecting Twisted to be smaller this year mm-hmm. because we have, a, you know, a big chunk of our attendants are international travellers. But, um, yeah, I'm not sure if it was sort of the the momentum from the previous year being uh, you know, a, a successful event or if it was just the just boom of people wanting to get out and do something epic and different. But um, we had a lot more Kiwis than we've ever had before come to Twisted this year and more people than we've had before at all. And um, I was I was very much prepared for, you know, a smaller attendance and it was quite the opposite. So, um yeah, it's been a it's that's it's been a positive effect for us. Um, however, the actual dynamics behind that uh, played out, I'm not sure. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's it's somewhat worked in our favour. Aside from the fact that you know we um, we were only able to book uh, mostly New Zealand lineup, um, we don't have the kind of money to play with I'll say it again um like some larger events do uh that that were paying for people's like specialty visas putting them through quarantine 
having them play like two shows or one show and then putting them back on a plane and back in quarantine in their own countries. Like I've been marveling at these other sort of, there's a handful of much larger commercial like concerts and, and events that have achieved that. And I'm like, wow, it must be such a like, you know, red tape for one mm. and just like, uh, it would put a burn a hole in your pocket as well, you know? Yeah. Like it's great to hear obviously so many Kiwis were in attendance. Um, but have you noticed like, or is there a kind of feel for people are just really grateful to have things back and actually more excited and willing to pay for things? I was just having a bit of a con Absolutely. yeah, I was having a bit of a conversation with a few different people and, and I think it's definitely something that um, people are observing in Australia, but keen to understand, yeah, if that's similarly happening in New Zealand and, and if that's a vibe that people are, are getting and feeling and, and seeing, which is really great, you know, like people are understanding the value and the effort that goes into putting on events, large and small. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I throw out other smaller events and, and work in the sort of live music industry here in, in New Zealand as well. And um, one thing that was amazing to note, but is kind of like, it's got a double-edged sword to it as well, is, is that like all of the venues across the country were booked out like months mm. in advance. You know, um, if you wanted to create a tour for your upcoming album, you'd have to actually really, really plan quite down the track for it. Um, and it's really cool to see, you know, it means that punters are filling out venues right across the country. Um, festivals are seeing, you know, really solid attendance. Um, there's another uh, event up in um, Auckland um, called OM Festival. Shout-outs to John and Anna. Um, they're, uh, like, essentially our rival event um, in terms of, you know, uh, electronic festivals. And um, they they had a great turnout this year as well. Um, it's just been awesome to see how many people are just getting amongst it. And I think there is a really you can you can see just even like in the online content, people being you know very thankful for the fact that we're able to do this and that it's really not possible in, in most of the world right now. And yeah, it's it's going to mean an interesting sort of change in the tide I don't know exactly how to put it but when those borders do open again um and I yeah I've been putting a lot of thought into how we can kind of keep this really epic support and um you know love for the Kiwi crews and the Kiwi live performers and um, that that we've been seeing and like not let that die off just because we've got some other big internationals rolling through. Mm. You know what I mean? Well, that's it. I think, um, like you say, it it is a bit of a double edged sword because there is always going to be that that beauty in bringing internationals over and and you know offering diverse lineups or experiences that people might not often get to experience. But there is equal merit um if not more in celebrating 
the local artists that you have on your land who are accessible, who may have, yeah, been going it tougher. And I think there's like a, a, a kind of broader swing, even, you know, like the shop local and things like that. Like we've all been confined to our own countries. So it forces you to appreciate like what you've got in your backyard and help those people out. And I think it's great that, yeah, people are showing an appreciation for, um, yeah, events and festivals because I'm sure everybody has, you know, even the people that work in the industry, like sometimes you can take it for granted that it's always going to be there and it's always going to be the way it is. And I think it was kind of a bit of a, a rude awakening at how easily it could be taken away. Um, and, and we're still not out the woods, yeah, you know, like no, we're with not. international travel, I'm sure new challenges will come. Um, but yeah, I think it's really, really great to, to hear that kind of like the same vibe is being felt over in, in New Zealand and that people are eager to support and yeah, jumping on board and, and really supporting the local scene basically. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's, always really been a, a, a part of Twisted's sort of lineup forming as well um, is is putting a lot of a lot of local acts on right and amongst the same lineups as some you know huge international acts yeah nice um, and sort of that you know didn't change in a big way um, but it just meant that we were drawing from a roster of, of big New Zealand acts instead, you know. Whilst you've got the mic, is there anyone that you've not had play at Twisted that you would like to have play at Twisted? Ooh. Put it out there. Yeah, I mean, there's like there's like a um, dream bookings list a mile <laughs> long, you know, um, and I do really hope because we're sort of a unique event down in the bottom in the South Pacific that we'll, you know, be able to allure and, you know, draw some of these people in over the years. Um, Tipper is a big one, which I think would just be, you know, it would be a huge tick for for New Zealand to have yeah, a Tipper nice. show. Um Ooh, who else? <laughs> I'm I'm just like salivating at the potential, <laughs> you know. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm a, I'm a massive hip hop fan, um, and um, I know uh, Sampa the Great's based in yep. Melbourne, or maybe not right now, but um, and she's incredible. Um, would definitely be is, is definitely on my my bucket list for. Um, for rappers that that I'd like to see on our in our yeah she's segment. wicked live I was fortunate uh, fortunate to yeah. get to see her uh, I don't know whether it was early 2020 or maybe it was the back end of 2020 uh, 2019 but I think you're right I don't think she's in Australia at the moment because I think she was meant to be here for yeah Melbourne Music Week and I think was not able to get back in the country at the time so but I'm sure she'll be back yeah right. Um, yeah, there's just so many. I mean, um, I could <laughs> I could go on, you know, on on that front. Um, Electric Nose is is an act that I think would be huge for for the New Zealand scene to to catch a few sessions from. 
Um, Just on that, on the scene at the moment in New Zealand, in your opinion, what's vibing? What's like, is there anything that's surprising you or stuff that's kind of coming up that you didn't expect? I mean, drum and bass has always been massive in New Zealand and that kind of hasn't changed a whole bunch. Um, I've been seeing a really exciting resurgence in in like love and attendance and um, production and DJs in the like dubstep mm. world, um, which I'm really, really stoked on. Um, shout outs to Swamp Wise. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I don't think much has like come up that's like surprising to me, I guess. Um, it's cool seeing new crews forming in the sort of four four world as well, um, and it hasn't been like as obvious to me at least um, over over the more like the last few years. Um, lots of like young cats coming through, like frothing house mm. and techno, and forming their own like posses and throwing throwing gigs and. Um, actually, like doing a really great job of of fostering beautiful atmospheres and yeah, nice. Yeah. And what would you like to see in New Zealand and from the scene in the future? If you could wish Ooh, for anything, if I could wish for anything apart from that piece of land, obviously that's on the wish list. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I guess the the only thing that's coming to mind is. Um, is, I'm not sure how aware of this the rest of the world is, but in New Zealand we're plagued by this concept of like tall poppy syndrome, and I think it does happen. And it's it's really way more noticeable when it comes to music scenes, um, and it's you know it's really present in in all of our lives, and um, and it's yeah I'm not really sure where it comes from. It's probably just because we're a small nation. Um, there's something about the culture of New Zealand that means that, you know, if someone's kind of coming up and getting good or like they're getting a bit of popularity or they're, you know, they're doing something that's, that's really kicking ass and, um, there's a whole bunch of people lined up there to just, you know, chop them down and, and take a stab at how they're, how they're doing things. And, um, I'd love to see. I'd love to see New Zealand artists not experience that as much or at all. And I'd love to see New Zealand event promoters, you know, have the same um, sort of uh, take mm. on it, you know. Um, and just Kiwis in general, I think, could could do with leaving each other alone when they're just trying to <laughs> smash it. <laughs> yeah. More, more love. More love solves the world. Everyone be kind. <laughs> Yeah. Hard up. yeah. Um, is there anything else that you would like to talk about or share whilst you've got the mic? Yeah, so I think something that is worth saying and I've kind of touched on it already is um, when it comes to getting involved in the music scene or um, be that as a producer or a DJ or a um, you know, someone that wants to produce events or make art at festivals um, is just, like, put yourself out there and show that people that you 
are passionate for it and you'll you'll someone will pick you up and and you know take you on you know it's a it's a hard thing to to put yourself out there and say look I'm running this event when it's a new thing or like look I'm producing music um and yeah it's like very common for for people to feel like they're going to get shot down and um you know just keep kind of slugging is and and don't don't hesitate to actually take that step is kind of what I'm trying to say yeah nice I think it's important you know we're all our own biggest critic and sometimes it is scary but what's life if you don't take some risks eh yeah absolutely and um you know so often you can try and fail and that'll be like more of a a rewarding experience than not having tried at all you know Mm, yeah exactly like life is here to be lived and we've just had a heck of a long year that's not had too much living going on so if ever there's a year (laughs) to take a few risks and put yourself out there I'm feeling like it's 2021 yeah hard out (laughs) Um, yeah, I really hope that we can get this um, Trans Tasman bubble worked out. Uh, you know, like as as I've said, a lot of our, our crew and a lot of our artists are um, are Aussie based. So yeah, we just want our we want our Aussies back, basically. Like, <laughs> uh, well, that's nice. Yeah, I'm sure it's yeah. equal way. I think everyone is gagging for that bubble to open, and I think that everyone's just going to be going wild doing crossovers but I reckon you'll see you know big uptake from artists wanting to to hop over between the islands and and yeah hit the stages absolutely yeah and I think we'll we'll probably see a pretty strong migration as well I know um we've already got like a massive amount of uh big international a, a lot of uk drum and bass acts have been just moving to new zealand yeah like, wicked uh, right like like alex perez lives here now i don't know like <laughs> you know like there's just um i'm like on a few drum and bass forums and stuff and on facebook and um it's funny like every time a new one's like got their new zealand visa <laughs> they're just is just a big kerfuffle you know there's a um there's going to be a lot of people once the options there moving to New Zealand because we've, you know, we've had this, we've managed to kick it, yeah. uh, you know, kick it out and um, this feels like a safe place to come mm. and you can continue your music career here, you know. Yeah, <laughs> well, I think it's just made everyone really review, like, where they're at. You know, like, even mm. I know people who, you know, live in Melbourne who are like, Right, I'm going to move further out, you know. There's there's been this whole shift I think in in mindset for everybody on like where do you actually need to be based? Do you need to be like near a city or can you be further out? And this option of sort of remote working is is now more than ever, you know, widely adopted and accessible across like every single industry. So it's just like open the floodgates I think for people to really rethink like where do you spend your time and and whatnot absolutely I love that I love seeing that um especially like my friends in in graphic design um and like artist friends um are just like yeah sweet as we work from home now and um and that's great that's it's kind of I think there's probably a lot of 
employers uh, shivering in their boots about <laughs> not having as much like control, uh, you know, whip cracking <laughs> yeah. control um, over their their uh, staff now chilling in their undies. Like, well, the unknown's um, scary for people, know. isn't it? Right, difference, change. It gets scary, but I think, yeah. you know, there's lots of benefits to it. And I like to see, you know, the silver lining in most things. And I think as much as there has been a lot of challenge, you know, over the past year, there's also a heck of a lot of good that can come out of it too. Yeah, absolutely. Silver linings mm. are the way, eh? Um, it's like it's, it's not much point looking at just looking at the the dark side no. of things. Um, exactly. Yeah, I, I like that as well. I think we've covered some epic topics and you've given listeners and myself uh, a really, you know, great deep dive into what's going on over in New Zealand and and what Twisted is all about. So, yeah, a massive thank you for sharing your insights and your journey and, yeah, telling us all about where you've gone and where you want to go with the festival. So thank you very much. Uh, no worries, Vicky, and and thank you so much for uh, producing this podcast. I'm I'm really digging it, and um, I'm looking forward to hearing from more event producers and and um, and just folks getting in the mix from across the world. It's it's really been fun. Amazing, thank you. Well, that is a wrap. Awesome. Happy day. Thanks for tuning into Creative Connectors. Hopefully, you enjoyed the chat. If so, please subscribe, share with friends, support the community and tune into the next one.